Amen. Thank you, Brother Steve. And do appreciate all your prayers and appreciate text calls checking on me uh, over the last couple weeks. And uh, please do continue to those prayers going. And uh, thankful to be doing better. And uh, it, this morning, if you have your Bibles, you'll turn to Mark chapter five. Mark chapter five. Uh, we're going to look at uh, a amazing thing that Jesus was able to do in a man's life that was at a low point uh, and lost all hope uh, in his life. And I'm thankful that uh, no matter what situations come into our lives, that we have a God uh, that is able to do something about the situations that we face. I hope you are too. Uh, I hope you know, uh, you know God working uh, in your life. We see uh, this man that we're going to meet today uh, very little is known about it, uh, and yet uh, his life was changed when he encountered Jesus. So let's take a look in Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. It says, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of uh, the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, uh, because he had been often bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out to the, and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered it, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he should not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. Uh, so all the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter them. And then at once Jesus gave them permission, and the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea, and drowned in the sea. And those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. When they came to Jesus uh, and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to them who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. And they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he had got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him 
and all marveled. What a, a tremendous, tremendous thing that we find here recorded in the Gospel of uh, Mark. And some interesting things about this, uh, Matthew and Luke uh, also record uh, this incident. Matthew has a little bit different spelling of the name, Gagarines, in uh, Matthew, and it's likely the same place. Uh, probably uh, Matthew refers to a specific, a specific city uh, where uh, the region of uh, the Gadarenes is kind of a region. Uh, y'all hear that humming? Their back feet, or is that me? Okay. Must be me then. So, uh, anyway, uh, get a water. So, this region, uh, they were on the Sea of Galilee, remember? Uh, Jesus said, hey, we're crossing over to the other side. Uh, and they went from what was a staunchly Jewish area to an area that was very Gentile. So, not Jewish. And there has, there's a lot of implications to that. The gospel is for all people. Uh, and there was this guy that had been there. We don't know how long these demons had been bothering him. Uh, we do know it was for some time, though. And if we, as we get to the end of the story, find out there were 2,000 of these demons. So, not just one, but 2,000. That's a lot. Uh, one is probably enough to deal with, just like what you know, problem child. If you, you're a parent, you know that if your child chooses to be a problem child that day, that's enough. You don't need more than one. Uh, and so, uh, and this man was not in his right mind. He would cut himself, and you know they would try to uh, bind him, and he would be able to to get loose. Jesus got out of the boat, and this man came to him. And that's interesting. Uh, and then Jesus says to him, you know, asks the name, and uh, the demon answers and says, Our name is Legion, for we are many. They say to Jesus, Hey, what... You know, what do you have to do with us? And uh, when Jesus said, "Come out of this man," they said, "Don't send us." Away. Instead, said this to these pigs. Jesus permitted that to happen, and the demons came out, entered uh, this big uh, hog uh, herd. Uh, they actually went off and toppled off the cliff. Ended up in the sea and drowned. Then the man was normal. As normal as any person can be. And he was clothed and he was calm and he was able to speak. Something that hadn't happened in, in quite a while. He was, a, he was cast out from society and society had largely forgot him and he was left... Uh, to live in the wilderness by himself with the torment of these demons. And then this man named Jesus showed up. And his life changed. And it was never again the same. We, when we meet the man the last uh, time, 
He's clothed. He's sitting normally. And Carrie got conversations. And people were afraid and said, listen, get out of here. We, we don't need you hanging around. And I think they also, the text is a little ambiguous whether it was Jesus they asked to leave or this man. I tend to think it was probably both. Uh, they didn't want uh, any of this going on around them. They knew that uh, you know, they weren't particularly religious folks uh, in this region. And yet they knew enough that you know, if demons obeyed this guy, they better not mess with him. And so they said, listen, buddy, get out here. And as Jesus was leaving, the man that had been healed asked to go with him. He said, you know, I want to go with you. I want to follow you. Because his life had been changed. And of course, Jesus gave him another mission. Well, just two things briefly that I want to, us to understand and unpack from uh, this passage of Scripture this morning. And the first thing that we have to know is that Jesus knows and meets our needs. You may think that Jesus is unaware of the problems that are in your life. And yet Jesus knows every one of them. And in fact, you probably don't even know all the problems. You think you know, but oftentimes is it true what we think is the problem? It's not actually the problem. It's a symptom of something else. But Jesus knows what our problems are. And he knows what it takes to fix them. He knew that this man wasn't just nuts. He knew that he wasn't just harming himself. He knew that there was this unclean demon inside of him. And so he told the man, uh, the demons, come out of the man. It reminds us of the second half of that. That not only does Jesus know our every need, but he meets our needs. He has the ability to meet our every single need. And he's with us to help us to overcome the problems that we face in life. And the struggles we have. He's right there with us. Scripture said that Jesus said, said this, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. The scripture says Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so I think that God wants us to understand that God knows what needs you have. And he's able to meet those needs. Really doesn't do us much good if God just knows our needs, does it? But he's able to meet it. He might meet it through uh, supernatural means. He might meet it through other people. Uh, he might meet it by circumstances changing in our life. But he will meet our every need. In the Gospel of Matthew, as Jesus was preaching, he said to those that were surrounding him that day, he said, listen, why do you worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear? He said, consider the lilies. They don't toil or spin. They're just there looking pretty like, they, like they're supposed to, knowing that they're taken care of. 
the grass just grows? The little birds of the air? Jesus said not one of them falls to the ground without God knowing about it. He says every hair on your head is numbered. In other words, God knows how much hair you have or you don't have. Jesus knows your every need. And friend, believe he is able to meet your every need. Sometimes he doesn't do it the way that we would like him to. And sometimes he doesn't do it when we would like him to do. But one thing we could know for certain is that Jesus knows and will meet our every need. I hope that will encourage us and to know that we don't have to stress and be you know, toiled and wring our hands and say, oh my, what are we going to do? What we have to do is go to Jesus. Because he's the one that ultimately can fix the issues that we have. And he's the only one that can meet our needs. Not only our spiritual needs. He does meet those. But we need to understand we are fed and we're clothed and cared for by God. It's God that provides food and so well, I've got a job. I think God gave you that job. And God gave some farmers some knowledge how to grow stuff. So we see God at work all in and through our lives. But oftentimes what Satan does is he makes our problems seem so insurmountable and so huge. This man's problem was he had 2,000 spirits inside of him. That's a lot. And yet, one Jesus defeated and overcame thousands of demons. And just like that, Jesus can overcome the things that are going on in your life. If you'll trust him. If you'll give him those things. You'll invite him in. His timing is always perfect. And his ways are always perfect. But then there's the other side of the coin, if you will. The rest of the story. And maybe that's the whole point of Mark recording this story for us. That when Jesus works, we must speak. Jesus had done a, a miracle in, this, in the man, uh, this man's life. He was not the same. In fact, he was so sold out that this likely Gentile person said, I want to follow you and go with you. I want to travel with you. Jesus said, no, that's not what I have for you to do. He said, I want you to go home. And I want you to tell your family and your friends about what's happened to you. You see, we are aware that Jesus has done something miraculous and marvelous in our life. We don't just cart that inside. We don't just file it away for what we need to feel good later on. We're to tell others so that they can see. 
there were many people from this region that came and saw the change in this man, and they were afraid. Even though they were afraid, what did they do? They went back town and told everybody, hey, Steve, that Yoko that's up in the mountain that cuts himself and causes ruckus, he's normal. And he's not fighting, and he's carrying on conversations, and this fellow that they called Jesus had come and told these demons to get out of him, and then all these pigs jumped off the cliff. What a crazy story it would have made had newspapers been around that, during that time. It would have been the front page story. Well, so what did people do when they told? They went and saw for themselves. Mark does not tell us. But chances are some heard the story of Jesus as well. And some found that if Jesus could do this miracle in this man's life, he could do it in theirs as well. Some rejected it. Some said, get these people out of here. We don't need that trouble here in this town. And so there were varying reactions. But regardless of the actions, we are responsible. We, we can't help but speak. Chances are when you first got saved, if you're a Christian and Jesus came in and changed your life, you were excited about that. And you probably told at least one or two people. And when God has showed up and done something in your life, you've probably have spoken to others about it. I hope you have. Because that's God's design for the gospel spreading. There surely are faster and more efficient ways. And yet God says, I want my people to go and tell. So that was Jesus' instruction to this man that had been demon-possessed. It's also his instruction, his last instruction before he went back to heaven. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. In other words, tell the story. Tell how Jesus has made a difference in your life. Sometimes I wonder if maybe we're not speaking more about Jesus because we don't see God working in our life. And friend, can I tell you, if you don't see God working in your life, it's not because he's not there. Perhaps it's because you're not cooperating with him. Perhaps it's because you're not listening to him. And God says, hey, I'm right here. Let me work. But then when he does, we must speak up. Leslie and I traveled to Rolling Fork yesterday. And, uh, you know, several people uh, have lost, hundreds and hundreds of people have lost their homes. Uh, devastation really is just very tragic. And yet so many of the people, though they were facing great obstacles, said, you know, God's still good to me. And I have my life. 
Uh, are there problems they have? Yeah. Is there sadness they have? Yes. Is there loss they have that are experiencing? Absolutely. And yet, many of them find, because they have this relationship with Jesus, that they can speak for the Lord and say, you know what, God's been good to me. It's easy to say God's been good to you when things are really going your way. It's another thing to say God's been good to me when things are miserable and you're in a dark valley. And yet whether you're on the mountaintop and things are going well or you're in uh, the middle of tragedy, God is still good. And if you're his, you know he's still good. And so God says to us, speak. Tell others. If God has changed your life through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, let others know because they need that same change. They need that same hope. They need that same transformation. They need that same special delivery that God brought in your life in theirs. And if God could heal this demonic man, and God can save you, and God can save me, and God can save the whosoevers of the world, he's a mighty big God. And this mighty big God knows our needs, and he can meet them if we'll trust him. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. Thank you that you know us. Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't know you, the one watching on the internet, would you help them today to call on you? Maybe it's one of your children here today facing a great obstacle. Or maybe it's not 2,000 demons possessing them and ruining their life, but it's something and it seems so insurmountable. But Lord, whatever it is, if they'll turn it over to you, you're able to take care of that issue. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this, this hymn of response and invitation. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Fred, that's where your eyes need to be. If you need a special delivery in your life, the way for you to find it is turning your eyes on Jesus. So let's sing. The altars are open if you need to come.